Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. That was Lizzo and Juice. Hello, it's Sally Hughes and Kate Severe as per. Hello. Hi. Um, nice to have you with us. We've got, I mean, frankly, ancient friends of the show. Um, <laughs> I think when Julia Rayside and Michael Hogan come on, it means that Sally wanted to see her friends. <laughs> Steve Frederick. I miss you. Um, come so, to my show. Uh, TV critics and broadcasters, Julia Rayside and Michael Hogan are here. And also, unexpectedly, is my husband, Daniel Meyer, who oh, has just been hi, recording Dan. another thing. I'm not really here, <laughs> He's just been at another thing, and we made him come into the studio and he wanted to warm up. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. Hello, good morning. Um, so our guests today are both TV critics, so expect lots of TV chat. Should we kick off with I'm a Celebrity? Yeah, go on then. So I'm a Celebrity has started, um, as it does every year. Ant McPartland is back. Back, back, back. Yeah. Kind of comforting. Massively comforting. It is, although the tabloids are already trying to stir up the we want Holly back hatred, aren't they? Well, Just I to thought... create a bit of friction. Do you know, I thought Holly was very good last year. She was terrific. Um, she she was terrific, it. but it's comforting, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah it is. Yeah, it's great to see Ant back, and they've got such um, sort of easy chemistry. They're genuinely funny. I think they're, it's their gig of the year. It's the reason we love them. And it's, the, it's, you can cl- it's clearly their favourite gig of the year. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't like a month's holiday in Australia? Yeah, um, apparently but, they stay in a six-star hotel yeah. and play golf when filming. <laughs> <That sounds, laughs> I think it's a rubbish. jolly, isn't it? Five stars, not enough. <laughs> Give no. me an extra yeah. star. So that's an option. Mm. They yeah. stay at the Versace Hotel, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is the f- one. Of, I think it was the first six-star hotel to open, and I think they play golf and get drunk. Go on, what do you, what's the sixth star like? How what what's the best? Like how is it better? Yeah, what I don't is know it? what that sixth like, star. Literally, this is the first I'm hearing of this. You get two oh, mini yeah, yeah, kettles yeah. and two corgi <laughs> trouser presses. No, no, no. The <laughs> mini kettle fits in the sink without you having to tilt it to try yeah. and get it under the weird <laughs> stubby tap. You like get two lotus biscuits instead of one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, they were, I mean, basically, they went straight in with a Prince Andrew sweating gag on, <laughs> wow. on, on the launch on Sunday night, and then it's is, just, it the, is it the Dawson brothers that write their gags? Don't they have? The, they used to have the Dawson brothers write all their gags for like takeaway and stuff, didn't they? Um, yeah. Dan, you'll know this. Andy Dan's Milligan. a comedy writer. Uh, well, there's a couple of writers. One of whom is, is Andy Milligan, who's worked with them for quite a long time. Andy Milligan, apparently. Can anyone hear Dan? Like, yeah, my... I don't even know if people can hear. Well, Dan. anyway, Dan. So my Dan husband's a comedy, a comedy writer. writer and is mm. revealing um, who writes the jokes for Anton Deck. But yeah. I think we also have to give credit to their delivery, right? Because oh god, I yeah. mean, yeah. because Morecambe and Wise didn't write their own jokes, but no. they, but they made it magic. Mm-hmm. And I think not to compare them directly, but they bring something to it, don't they? There's oh, a warmth god. to it. Yes, yeah, they're yeah, delightful the together. Sort of, they're, they're just sort of that well-worn chemistry of being friends for forty odd years, isn't there? And then they just yeah. they just spark, and they're just so delighted to be standing next to each other again in, in the know. jungle I think and it it's, does it's really sweet isn't it's it it's also a great cast this year 
you know, for the first time. Tell me who you like, Michael Hogan. Do you Hogan. think so? Well, I, well, I think for the first time in a long time, I'd heard of pretty much all of them, which doesn't <laughs> normally happen on reality TV. Anymore. It helps. Um, I, I'm loving Kathleen Jenner. Uh, Are I, you? Yeah. Sally and I switch. I have feelings didn't, about Caitlyn Jenner. Kill a woman? Is that? I know. Yeah. You, there's a statute of limitations. You get to, you know, get yeah. off your crimes eventually. She did kill that woman, though. Yeah. Didn't she, she? She did run over a person in her car, then yeah. refused to apologise and flee yeah. the scene. But yes. I don't think she's doing that on camera. <laughs> I, I, I struggle. I struggle. Um, but you know, all right. Nadine Coyle's being surprisingly all right. Right. So tell me about that, because I must say um, that Nadine Coyle, as a journalist, I think most journalists saw Nadine as the kind of maybe the less prominent member of Girls Aloud, the one who didn't particularly give you the goods in interviews. Um, But actually, she seems quite happy and at home there. Yeah, she seems all right. She seems quite relaxed. And she's got that, that brilliantly bizarre sort of dairy meets valley girl kind of accent, which is... Because I think she got like a restaurant in LA or something. Why do I know that? I think she bought a restaurant. Yeah, so in everything she says is But she's she's we she's apologise really to the people of Northern Ireland. Roman Kemp's artist. very good, I think. Yeah, yeah. I He's think... very funny and natural. He was doing brilliant impressions of people last night that were very funny. He did Anton Deck last night. So he did Anton Deck, and then so the reason I heard Daniel Meyer laughing from downstairs was because he was roaring at Anton Deck doing an impersonation of Roman Kemp doing yeah, an yeah, impersonation yeah. of them. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. yeah but... A gimme for their next link after Roman had done these. It was low hanging fruit. Deck and a sort of nodding head out, and then they went back and did those voices, and it was very, very funny. Yeah, mm. I think Roman Kemp. Uh, there was there was a real kind of switcheroo in my career, maybe five years ago, where when I interviewed attractive men in latter day <laughs> times I would go cool he's a bit of alright and then about five years ago I started going well he'd make a very nice husband for my friend's daughter <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember I had the same with Professor Green when I interviewed him I came away and said oh well he'd be lovely for Dora my friend's daughter <laughs> and um, and Roman Kemp is just a thoroughly nicely brought up lad yeah, I think he he's, was a nice, like a he's a good egg, egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's so many stories of the day like his godfather is George Michael you know and, and obviously he grew up in sort of an 80s pop royalty his parents being Shirley, Shirley from and Martin. Shirley and uh, Martin Kemp from Spandau, and and he was just sort of telling these stories in the, in a kind of quite not a name droppy way, just quite a natural, warm way, and just sort of acknowledging how surreal it was that like George Michael used to buy him really extravagant Christmas presents, and it was always a bit embarrassing because he'd sort of outdo <laughs> his own parents and stuff yeah. like that. And it, he just seemed, yeah, he just seems like a sort of a good egg, and and that's. And that's really nice. I mean, Ian Wright was sort of Bookie's favourite to win before the I series mean, started. I mean, he's very likeable, Ian Wright. He is, but he's hardly getting a word in Edgeways at the moment because all these other characters are coming to the fore, which is which is good, which gives it legs for the, the three-week series, I think. Yeah, I, I I was very impressed by Roman Kemp when he went on first date and the girl he was dating spent the whole time saying, God, your dad's so handsome. Oh, <laughs> and, and him saying, this is my life, essentially. Oh, no. Wherever I go, oh, people God. go, whoa, your dad. <laughs> he's a silver fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that must be quite tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a girl from EastEnders. Remind me of her name, please. Jacqueline Drosser, who used to play uh, one of Max Browning's daughters. She was super impressive on the the bit I saw. I haven't really caught up yet, oh, but I God, they saw the the, mm. the, the the horrible thing where they get there, they get picked up by helicopter, split into two teams, and they fly to the top of a very tall building in the windiest part of town, clearly right by the sea, mm. and they have to walk out over a platform on a kind of like a you know a narrow ledge, and then down a ladder and kind of do some shenanigans. And it was it just looked so frightening, and she just went right and got on with it, and then she came back and went. Ah! <laughs> I was clearly just so frightened, but, but she, wow, the balls to on that me, one. She seems like the kind of person who could win. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. got all the stuff. She was really impressive. I think you might Last be right. night she did a Bush Tucker trial. She's she's terrified of spiders. They're a, you know the the one thing she didn't want to deal with. And obviously her foster Bush Tucker trial involved. Why do they tell a, the producers? Why do they tell the producers what they're scared of? I know. Really I know. stupid. Really yeah. stupid. So 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 she had a sort of. Spiders around her head in this tank, and then she had to fish around in some more spiders yes. to get some stars. Uh, and, and she, she was, was shaking afterwards, trembling yeah. and crying. Oh god! But just kind of cracked on with it in but a kind of genuinely it. impressive way. She was nails, wasn't she? Yeah, and, and I think her 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 kind of a popularity just shot up. In the she's last. the kind of person who like goes on a journey. I'm going to have to ask my <laughs> I'm going to have to ask my Californian co-host to say a journey. Journey, journey. Yes. So she feels like. The kind of person who's going to go on a journey, and um, people like they that, always right? win the journey. The people. journey dudes yeah, yeah, yeah. win, but she seems terribly nice. Mm. Michael Hogan and Julia Rayside, in fact, huge fans of Big Brother. Let's talk about Adele. Ah, I, I didn't know. know Adele did you, was did a you thing. recognize her? The I minute didn't you must have done, her Im- surely. Well, she was billed as kind of Radio One DJ Adele yeah. Roberts rather than. Big Former brother, reality, Big three, yeah. Or yeah. It was. Um, Weren't so she and Alex friends? Do you remember her series? It was, was her and Alex, that model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Alex of that's the way uh, 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 I like it. Fame. That's the one. Yeah. Um, they yeah. had a sort of sort of friendship verging on a romance, didn't they? Even though, Did they? Even yeah. though they were both Did they? gay, even I though I think she was a lesbian at the time. Mm. Um, she 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 declared herself as a lesbian, mm. and um, yeah, she she had a flirtation with him, didn't mm. she? And they see, yeah, they sort of get into bed and cuddle up and stuff. And, and they were, and they both did. Well, I think they both got to the final. Did they? Maybe? She came sixth. Yeah, they, they did. Third. Not okay. to be a Big Brother nerd about. Wow. She came sixth. Even I don't know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was. I had no idea. Obviously, I'm too old for Radio One now, so I had no idea she was on Radio no, One. So no, me, no, no, no. But clue. she. So what happened last night? Explain what happened with Jane McDonald and Adele last night. What? There was a, a slightly peculiar. <laughs> I, don't, I, I kind of missed some of this, so I'm not quite sure. But obviously, the legendary cruise ship singer Jane McDonald. <laughs> Who we all adore. BAFTA winning. BAFTA winning. winning. She doesn't channel, forget that. Isn't it? Channel 5's only ever BAFTA. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cruising with Jane McDonald. I would love to have been on that jury. My yeah. God. Um, People love it. it. The ratings for it are really high. So I, think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a task early on. Sorry, I'm really blurring on here, but I love how I'm a celeb. Um, <laughs> where they had to sort of, they all had a kind of luxury item. And they had to kind of, you know, try and rescue it from some treacherous waters or something. And obviously people had met pictures of their family and mementos from the home. And Adele, brilliantly, had a framed picture of Jane McDonald mm-hmm. off the okay. telly. Okay. Because she loves her. Right. And they lost most of their precious things. Pretty much the only one that made it was this framed picture of Jane McDonald. <laughs> okay. Obviously, because the producers thought this is gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now it's got kind of got pride of place in the camp. You the know, it's it's but moments before Jane is shipped to uh, uh, Southern Australia and is, is going to be produced at some point from, I don't know, a hut. Yeah, to belt out to yeah, Nielsen yeah. Classic of course. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'll, uh, build, they'll build a cruise ship for her to sail into the jungle on, probably. I love Jane McDonald. So yeah. at one point she felt slightly mocked, didn't she, for having mm. the Jane McDonald picture and she got a bit antsy about it's a bit it and a weird. bit hurt. A picture of somebody on, it's a bit odd. I feel like Ant and Deck are going to run with that, though. I feel like that's going to be something that's going to come back. But there has been a big difference in this series, which is live critters will no longer be bitten in half on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So Chris Packham, obviously the wildlife broadcaster and conservationist, wrote an open letter to the producers, to Ant and Deck, in fact, I think. And to be fair, he's been on about this for years. He has been going on about this for years. He wrote a really brilliant, I think, open letter. He's a very good writer. He's fantastic. 
he asked Anton Deck openly to cease with the biting critters in half. His point was, look, insects are important. These animals, these creatures that you're um, eating in the name of sport are actually really important to the ecosystem in the jungle. Also, it affects how we feel about animals and creatures, things yeah. that are really important. Yeah, I, I like uh, his, bit, his point about how we shouldn't sort of villainize snakes and rats as kind of the yeah. bad animals. Yeah, because we don't think they're cute. Which does happen in those yeah. shows all the yeah, time. exactly. Whereas, you know, of course, they've got their role and, um, you know, Roland Rat is, you know, a, a great thing. <laughs> One of the kids there. That's just a reference for the teenagers listening. Um, so Chris Packham wrote this open letter saying, actually, can we not? Uh, you can make a great and entertaining show without doing this. And uh, Catelyn Moran wrote her column on a, on a similar theme mm. saying, actually, I love this show, but can we not? Um, and so the producers have said that's it for them. So last year, only one creature was eaten alive. Um, <laughs> this this is, it doesn't sound good. So, that was like that so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> no one died. So an ITV spokesperson. <laughs> An ITV spokesperson said, um, we have been planning this for some time and actually last year only beach worms were eaten alive. And no one likes them. (laughs) (laughs) But this time around we've decided to implement the change fully and permanently. So the Bush Tucker trials will no longer, you know... This is like saying remember Katie Price biting a witchetty grub or whatever. This is great. Times are changing. Like Two men can dance together on Strictly. You can't eat a creature alive on primetime TV. It's good. Progress is good. Frame pitch. Of Jay McDonald are allowed in the well, apparently, because um, yes, of course, inevitably, people are going politically cor- political correctness gone mad. But I think no, it's a good thing, it's right? A good yeah. thing. I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's just a sort of daft little change that won't really make any difference to the show. No, no. no not at all. But will make a lot of people feel them. better about the show. Yeah. So it's yeah, they, they still, still have to eat kangaroo testicles. It's things, not vegetarian, but, but, but not live. Yeah. but not live creatures. Can you imagine? I mean, I think it's right because also, if you want to attract a younger audience, the fastest growing lifestyle trend in Britain is veganism yeah. but you know young people really care about this stuff yeah. I know from talking to uh, I don't think Catelyn will mind me saying because she wrote a column about it her kids are a bit like ew why mm. you know why are things dying yeah. in the name of entertainment and so I think it's it's broadly a wise decision as you say it's really about the people isn't it when yeah. I think of bush tucker trials I don't think about the gross insects I think of Paul, Paul Burrell <laughs> screeching, <laughs> opening his shirt open and, and going, or, or move do, over, darling. Doing gaffers, gaffers. I mean, always gaffers. The dead animals in that case. If it's, if it's a case of not eating I did live think things. About that. Yeah. Well, kangaroo meat is a thing. That's eaten, right? That's a, yeah, 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 kangaroo yeah. meat so is a thing. Like a kangaroo that's specially been slaughtered. <laughs> Provide yeah. testicles. Ritually slaughtered. No, I don't think so. Services. No, no, they, they they just, I guess they go to a butcher. Grown on a testicle farm. Some so, so Chris, <laughs> so Chris Packham. Dan, they can't yeah, hear you. Come to the microphone. So yeah, you need to move in, Dan. So Chris Packham, um, and I have no idea if Chris Packham is a vegetarian or not, um, to your point, Dan. Oh, I think he, he is. He's, I would imagine yeah. so. He said, what's long concerned me about the programme is that it portrays animals in the wrong way. There was never any ambiguity that eating live invertebrates was abuse and also exploitation for entertainment. Um, He criticised the show for stereotyping animals like rats and snakes, uh, as you mentioned, Julia, as bad organism. Mm. He also said that that he thought ITV's decision was part of a change in global thinking due to current climate crisis. I think that's true. I think it's different even in the past year. 
it's different, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I like that the compassion extends to tiny insects, but not to the celebrities desperately trying to get their careers no, screw back them. on track. Like <laughs> literally make them suffer and film it to me. But yeah, no, I think it's it, definitely, yes, we're, it, it's not okay. I, I joked about the thing about Strictly earlier. We're all just thinking a bit more. I don't want to use the word mindful. God, kill me if I ever use the word mindful in this context. But we're all thinking a bit more about how we get our kicks and whether it's okay for everyone concerned or whether it's not okay. And um, yeah, that, that's definitely extending to animals for sure. Um, it's great. It's on pretty much every night, is it not? It um, is. It's cold love... out there. It's hot there, and it's, it's just nice a really to watch great them, kind of yeah. pre-Christmas kind of. Yeah, it's becoming ritual. Every year, every year, it's always fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can you always don't dip have in. Thanksgiving, but you have. I'm we don't. Thinking, so. We yeah. need and the jungle. And it's genuinely quite moving. I think. I mean, of course, we, we all feel differently about people, but you know, I think, I think, Aunt McPartland has been suitably appalled by his own conduct, suitably mm-hmm. remorseful. Um, and about the crime he committed, and I, I think I think he's done the right thing in taking time out and owning up to it. But it's nice to have them back together, isn't it? Although Absolutely. I yeah. hate to be the poison in the well, but you know what I'm like. Um, whenever those stories come up about because the, 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 his divorce rumbles on in the background, yeah. I'm guessing that the, the PR is trying to play it down massively. I, but why why does she have to sign a non-disclosure agreement about their marriage hmm I want to know what's going on I'm so nosy but like I know I know yes I, of course I, I want to you know I want to see them back together on telly but also what's he hiding yeah I I mean, he, d- he doesn't seem like man. a conundrum to me no. <laughs> 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 God bless him he's know. basically a Labrador puppy yeah. <laughs> 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 there doesn't seem to be a lot of enigma behind there I mean, yeah. there might be some I don't know. I mean, shenanigans? Some, Michael, well, there we might can't be some shenanigans, shenanigans, but there also might be, I suppose, some slightly embarrassing details of his behaviour when he I was guess. addicted to prescription yeah. drugs. Possibly, oh, well, very possibly, yeah. Or, yeah, I, no one would want I that discussed. I, yeah. I, I very, very much doubt there's any dark... I'm, I'm broadly happy I'm to see person. them side by side, always on the same side. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm broadly yeah. happy to see them Although back together. Although for a brief oh, yeah. moment, I don't know if anyone saw... Ant and Dex DNA journey. Yeah, yeah. You, I was you were talking about this cat. With yeah. Yeah. Why were you two obsessed? Part thing was... Because I love uh, Who Do You Think You Are. Okay. Anyway, I love all that stuff. And then it, it's actually just really emotional because yeah, they go yeah. on this two-year journey. It's not meant to be a two-year journey. I think it was meant to probably be like a two-month journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the ant incident happened, and they had to take a break. And then they they really talk about it, like. They talk about their relationship and oh, how wow. hard that was and how angry Deck was at Ant. And you see them with their dogs. You see them all crying a bit. You had me at dogs. Right? <laughs> they're good, very good boys. But it, was, it, was, it, it was obviously a massive, you know, transparent rip-off of who do you think you are. But it was, yeah. Yeah, say, it was, it was very moving. But anyway, what, what, the only reason I mention it is because there's a brief scene in that where Ant and Deck are the wrong way around. Just because it's kind of it like, they must never and, and, and do it that. genuinely looks a bit weird. You kind of mm-hmm. like, what's wrong with this picture? You find yourself going, I know. Whoa. And I love that when when Dak was talking about how he's like, it was just a bit drafty here. Just for a while. Oh, oh. Had a draft, and I was like, oh, that's so nice. It my was um, my friend Jake did a shoot with Anton Deck a couple of years ago for um, GQ, and he tried to get them to do various things, uh, and they were like, no, we have to stand this way around. Oh, they go, they bless could, them. It really could is not a thing, get them then. to swap <gasps> sides. Wow. No, no, no. Oh. They have to. They have to stand Aunt in exactly Deck. the same position. Are Gilbert and George the same? <laughs> Sorry, are Gilbert and George always the same way around? Yes, I think that's true. It's mm-hmm. anybody who might right. be confused. Richard and Judy interchangeable. You know which one's which. Yeah? So. They're free to roam. I'll tell you what I saw on social media the other day. This might be a really dumb old thing to say. It's vaguely related. That you, you, you sometimes can't remember which way around the taps are, particularly in sort of yes. designer bathrooms where uh-huh. they're yes. very clearly uh-huh. labelled. And so someone on Twitter said. 
I always think of it as hot and cold running water, like you used to get in a uh-huh. kind of van. Oh, yeah, so they're always that way around. Yeah. But yeah. in my local pub, they're switched. So for years, I just thought, well, the hot tap doesn't work in here. And in winter, I'd be very sad because my hands would be freezing cold. Oh and then goodness. I accidentally tried the other one. And I was like, oh, shit. It's just been <laughs> Like a sort of plumbing version of What an deck. anecdote, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great story, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, uh, Nana's Hogan Rayside in Severe. We'll be back after this uh, record. Uh, the playlist today is curated by Michael Hogan. You Hello. never asked me, by the way. You literally never asked me, do you hate my taste in music, do you? <laughs> no, it was but, personal, you know, I thought so, yeah. I, I think lazily, I didn't want to compile a playlist, and Hogan has essentially the same taste in music oh, as me, so fine. I just batted we'll it. We'll call fine. you Cloth Ears Rayside. <laughs> <Benjamin. laughs> fine. I just batted it to Hogan. So let's go back there to that playlist. There is nothing wrong with the Howard's Way theme tune played oh, ten times bickering. in a row. Shut Uh, Let's go back to Hogan's playlist and we'll be back in a bit. She's just what she pleases She's happy on her own Hi, Sally Hughes and Kate Sevier. Back, we still have Julia Rayside and Michael Hogan with us. Bit of a TV-tastic special today. Actually, Michael's out stripping. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He'll Just be a quick though. one. Michael yeah. Hogan... <laughs> TV critic Michael Hogan is so hot that um, he has gone to remove a layer. But we still in all the ways that implies. <laughs> but we still He's just have um, yeah. TV critic Julia Rayside with us, and obviously Kate Sevier's here. Here He's he back. is. Here he is. Michael Hogan. Have you taken your best off, love? Lovely. Um, please, while I have TV two TV critics in the studio. Can we talk about the other big return this week? Not just I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, but The Crown. Oh, my so God. So The Crown is back for Series 3. It's all changed. Claire Foy is no longer the Queen. Um, Olivia I mean, Coleman. she is in our hearts. Yes. Yeah, 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 she's ace. Um, Olivia Coleman is now the Queen. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is Princess Helena Margaret. Helena Bonham Carter is Princess Margaret. It's all changed across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, some more successfully than others, I would say. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I think the word I sent to you in the email, uh, my one word review was gash. Am I allowed to say gash? Of course you are. Of course you are. Uh, it was it's the gash. home of gash. So it was. Radio. So I, the crown. I feel a little bit like I didn't drink the same drugs as everyone else when it first started. So I thought the first series, while lavish and beautiful sounded like it had a head injury throughout like the words really? were so how, stupid how so because I really liked it I the, dialogue, it. the dialogue was dumb as like a box of straw just really thick over explanatory expository dialogue with no kind of truth in it no human warmth it just was like robots had written it I was really confused series 2 however um, when um, Van- is it Vanessa Kirby who played mm-hmm. Princess Margaret yeah. the Princess Margaret affair stuff or the, the, all of her life, I was gripped and they, they, they hardly said anything and it was so sexy it was so brilliant I completely bought into that I loved it this series back to the head injury low doorways wherever you go like absolutely it's, dreadful yeah. and it looks beautiful and the actors are great and the words are Gash. Gash, Kate, I'm going to say gash again. Kate Severe, you've watched the whole thing. I know. Oh, have you? Well, I'm well, on... Series one, two, and halfway yeah, through Yeah, I'm halfway through three. I think I'm on episode, like, six or seven. Um, <laughs> the first episode is so fucking bad. The it's Anthony Bloods Winston Churchill dying episode. Yeah, I was yeah. just Spoilers. so <laughs> confused because I thought, because they made this whole thing about that trailer that they sent out, the scene of her looking at the stamps and being like, some things never change and others do or whatever. <laughs> and then, and then oh, you're meant time. to be like, oh, wow, we're really going 
going forward in time here. It's the same fucking year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 1964. I yeah. thought that they were going forward like 10 years or something. Nope. It's just, uh, isn't that she's just looking that way at a stamp of like cranking the gear from five minutes ago. Yeah. Six <laughs> minutes ago. And here oh, I am gravity, now. Look at this you change. haven't been kind to me in the last six minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's I don't look like Claire Foy anymore. I know, weird. I look like the lady off Beep Show. But like. I, it's just so there's so many things about it like her relationship with Philip is just suddenly completely different they're yes, like joking around and really affectionate agree. And it's I'm a like, different but show but you were seething with rage literally yeah. six months ago where we've picked up from yeah um, so the first episode naff there's just so many horrible things about it so Winston Churchill dies my favourite moment in that episode was when um, the I think even Sally m- might have mentioned this in the emails we were sending before the show but uh, uh, where someone, someone's birthday some random guy's oh, birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone goes happy birthday <laughs> to oh the Queen looks sad and she comes back she just had a phone call Winston is dead yeah, Winston Churchill it's, died. It's like, oh, that was the like a bag of cliches, like just tipped all over the Quite proceedings. So I, so I, I just, I found it cheap, and I think, mm. I, I think the thing about the crown is, I fully accept the soapiness of it. That's yes. fine with me. I'm not a snob it's about those Abbey. things. I'm absolutely fine. fine with the yeah, fact yeah. that it's a soap and that it's kind of scandalous, and we all make that leap of faith about of course we can never really know what the, those conversations yeah, sounded like. We're filling like. in the blanks. We're filling in the blanks. But to me, this was cheap, and I know I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I have written a, an actual book about the Queen. I think you're pretty close. <laughs> and, and done a significant amount of research, and in episodes one and two, the Queen behaves in a way that I know for a fact the Queen yep. will not, cannot behave. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so there were you mean co- that deathbed scene where she... The deathbed scene she's over, She's ludicrous. overly gushy, and she kind of kisses Winston Churchill, which I don't she, think will happen. So, no, so no, no, Michael no, no. Hogan is referring to the scene in which Winston Churchill died. So John Lithgow, brilliant. John Fantastic as Churchill. Uh, The Queen, who is now Olivia Coleman, goes to visit Winston Churchill. And of course, as you may remember, Winston Churchill very much guided the very young Queen through Mm, mm. um, the beginning of her life as the Queen Mm -hmm. and really helped her. And, you know, sometimes I think it's fair to say slightly screwed her over, but but Mm, by and large was a kind of mentor to her. And he's dying and she goes to see him alone and has this incredibly sort of sentimental, emotionally naked conversation or, or one or kind of monologue at mm. him that, that is simply not how she no, would behave. No. Um, it simply would not happen. And as Julia says, that scene where he, she walks in, then after he dies, they say, happy birthday to Winston's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, it really is was absurd. That good. <laughs> it was like so... an EastEnders Christmas special, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was like, do, do, yeah, do, yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just completely not how she would behave. And there are numbers of scenes like that. There's a scene, I can't remember if it's in episode one or two, where she's at a dinner party and she's being incredibly yes. candid. Yes, it's the first um, episode, yeah. Uh, about the Americans and about Harold Wilson mm-hmm. in a way that, again, she simply yeah, yeah, would not She's talking to, like, a long talk. table about her worries about Howard Wilson. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. she's like, everyone, here's my feelings. Yeah. And she just wouldn't. And as no. much as I'm kind of fine with the soapiness and that we can play a little bit kind of fast and loose with history, not at the expense of characterisation. Yeah. yeah. And so their manipulation of history has resulted in an unbelievable character. And we all know in drama or comedy, the characters have to be believable, then you can play fast and what, loose. What they yeah. don't do, which is what everything has to do, any kind of narrative stuff is, if you don't know what your characters want, then they won't act like human people. Mm-hmm. And 
even if it's just the Queen and she wants to maintain her composure, what she has to want something. And in most scenes, nobody wants anything. They're just like randomly in beautiful palaces in nice clothes, yeah. cut to next scene. It's so lazy and weak and like they should know better. And it's like they're putting in half the effort because, well, America going to just buy this shit up. So I, let's yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... It's th- Downton Abbey. Nobody wants anything. I, I, agree. I think the influence of America yeah. is somehow on it. Like it, it's... Agreed. It's some of the exposition, some of the expositional dialogue is so clunky. They kind of go, mm. "Oh yes, remember the Profumo sex scandal with yeah. the, osteo- <laughs> the, the osteopath, oh the, the centre right. of the sex scandal." The Anthony um, Blunt stuff was exactly that. Where um, one of the one of the characters, one of whoever was uh, hunting spies. So Julia's talking about the scandal in which oh, the God. Queen's art advisor, yeah. I think the chief of pictures, or turned whatever, out yeah. to be the fourth man. Turned out to be blah, blah, the fourth blah, blah. man. He turned out to be a in Russian the spy. And spy there was a character I forget who played him. It was the guy who it was the guy who was in Peep show who was like the boyfriend of someone that uh, Sam West played Anthony Blunt. Oh no, the, he played Sam West. So the, yes, guy, the, the, yes. the spy hunter was this guy who was yeah. in five D. And he DG, sat there yeah. and genuinely sometimes, you know, when people are given dialogue you just think, you poor bastard, like how did you get through that without going, sorry, can we just, this is awful. <laughs> and he sat there and had to basically explain about three years of history while trying to make it sound like conversation. It was appalling. It was I like... Of course, Wikipedia people have been feeding entry. information to the KGB for some years and there's and an inside people, man. And he went <laughs> to <laughs> some people think that Wilson was indoctrinated by... But actually, this is what happened. And he didn't kill so. It's like, oh my God, have you, this is, again, head injury. Like, so wonder, you can't just sit there and read Wikipedia yeah. and just give it to a cat. It's terrible. So, so I wonder if... if the, the, obviously, Netflix has always been an international company. Mm. But whether... I don't know, maybe the crown does so well over there that they're aiming at more the American market, or maybe... Are we blaming uh, America for or maybe, this, guys? No, Sorry, maybe, Kate, look, the, the thing is... Kate, you're right number, just take we're it. We're blaming the writer for <laughs> aiming the exposition journey. at America. <laughs> because we Did know the this stuff. Or we, 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 yeah. we at least take a bit more subtlety about it, whereas... Like, there was a scene in episode two, genuinely... No, you can do exposition without people just where some, saying where, where, he, where the Duke of Edinburgh says, something, something, your grandfather, and she goes... George the Fifth, right? Well, like, so, like she's got to, she's got to confirm so her own grandfather's. Good. So name. Hogan, when she said that, I literally said aloud the Victoria Wood line of "cup of tea, the hot drink." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> From, um, from uh, Acorn Antiques or the Mal, and it, it was yeah, it was the Mal where she says, "Would you like a cup of tea? The hot drink." Or, um, I won that. I won that prize in Hove near Brighton. It was, it, it was one of those where it's like people couldn't come in fast enough to explain it and uh, uh, and fill in the gaps. There were two. There were two scenes that drove me nuts. Knowing what I do about the Queen, just as a British citizen, never mind somebody's written a book yeah, on it. Yeah. There, were t- there were two things. There was one where there was that ludicrous scene where um, she was speaking at cross wires with the guy from with the MI5. MI5 guy, yeah. And she thought he was talking about Harold Wilson. He was talking about Anthony Blunt. And they continued talking. There is so literally stupid. no way no. that the Queen would run with that conversation and about the Prime really, Minister. It's also a real trope, that, that conversation. Yes, from kind exactly. of like, from low-rent dramas and soaps, it's um, like... It it's like a low-rent sitcom drama misunderstanding, your classic misunderstanding. There's so no weak. way yeah. that that has a place in such high-quality drama. It's lazy. And there's no way the Queen would take part in that. Yeah. So there was that and then the most I think clunky, I know the other one you're going to say. The clunky <laughs> speech at the gallery oh, at the end. That. Oh, my where God. she was forced to pay tribute to Sir Anthony Blunt so um, at an exhibition. <laughs> and they she were had to give a carpet, speech. So, yeah, she already yeah. knew he was a spy. They were having to sweep it under the carpet. And she made a speech that made it clear 
that she knew exactly who he was and how terribly upset she was and how she didn't know him at all. And then they engaged in this sort of funny little game of footsie, of sort of trolling footsie, mm, where mm. they were having a dig at one another and speaking in riddles, but not at all. Oh, Incredibly naff daytime American soap opera mm. talk. Yeah, about she their face never... beneath the, the picture and stuff so like really, that. So really, he's two people. He's two different... Again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's just on and on and on, but laboring the, the point seven or eight times. But the Queen, regardless oh. of what you feel about the monarchy, the Queen spends her life making speeches about people she knows to be not very nice or she knows to be duplicitous and she makes these enigmatic speeches because that is her job and the implication that she couldn't manage it for a man who was expert in her paintings is ludicrous let's not lose perspective here I think it's still a good it's a TV show a good and watchable (laughs) show and it still looks fantastic (laughs) and there are great episodes you know I'm told that the Abba Fan episode is very good the Abba Fan episode is mentally there's some stuff coming up in the series that is really good it's still a sort of glossy Superior soap. But I only I th- want but to I see think Princess Margaret boning that gardener. I don't give a stuff about. But anything I think else. I, I just <laughs> think it's a step down from series two, and it's oh, just and it's, and it's and it's just letting. It's so hyped this third series. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because and, of the I, th- and I think yeah, and absolutely. I think it feels a bit like a letdown. I so. think the problem is that it's like okay with Doctor Who. You have a new doctor, and you know there's this whole thing about the regeneration, yes, and you kind of and you kind of like work through it, right? They have basically regenerated the entire yeah. flipping cast, and there's not been enough time to explain it. And the first two episodes are so clunky that it looks like Olivia Coleman in a Queen Elizabeth costume, yeah. finding her feet with it. And then when you finally kind of get to the third episode, and then the fourth and the fifth. Like they are much better, and it feels like you really? you, you stop looking at Olivia Colman yeah. playing the Queen, yeah. and like, you can it just feels a bit dumbed down it. and cartoonish but to start the t- with. It's it? the tension between the the show is called The Crown, and the whole beautiful thing that Claire Foy did, and the whole story was about was her pers- her own personal having to set aside her personal feelings for the Crown and to act as the Crown and not as Lilibet or whatever it yeah. was, right? And the first two episodes completely abandoned that. And then it's like you lose that tension of that that made it good, that made it so that Claire Foy could breathe a certain way. Mm. But they put that funny little scene in with them as children where Margaret basically asks, can I succeed the throne rather than Elizabeth? And Elizabeth seemingly was condoning it because she was waiting outside going, well, apparently. Again, who knows if that really happened? It's sort of, yeah, that's the tension. That's kind of what you're Mm -hmm. looking for. And then they just went, right, we've done that now. And then we're right back to no one wants anything. They're not really really hinting at anything subtly. They're kind of just spelling it out far too much. They really hammer you over the head with it. I Mm -hmm. think what Hogan is saying, Michael Hogan is saying, is, um, (laughs) but but, but it's true, you know, are we judging it too harshly? But I think that his reference to the high production values is why we're judging it so harshly. Because Mm -hmm. actually, it's a beautifully made thing. The cast is incredible. It's even more noticeable when the script's bad, when everything else is so good. In all three series, the actors have been incredible. Olivia Coleman, who... I th- is obviously Ugh. a brilliant actress. I'm not loving as the Queen yet, but I, no. I'm, I'm hoping I get but there. But she's yeah. the one I believe the most in all well, of this I because her problem, eyes are just, you know. Yeah, the, problem with so Olivia Coleman, yeah. the problem with Olivia Coleman is not Olivia Coleman. The problem no. with Olivia oh, Coleman God, is Claire no. Foy was too good. Yeah, And I think Claire Foy so, so inhabited that role yeah. that it's yes. going to take a while. But literally everyone in it is wonderful. The costumes are the best. Mm-hmm. The wigs are the best. The sets Those are the best. Sets. It's oh. a really extraordinary piece of work. But I think the writing... Really yeah. got it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't know why. It just seems to have, certainly for the beginning of Series 2, that's all, uh, Series 3, that's all I can judge it on. Yeah, me too. There has been a sort of dip and a return to the clanking exposition and the slight clumsiness. 
And just that, yeah, just filling in too many blanks. George the, the, George the Sith, my grandfather. Yes, That's yes. my yeah. grandfather. It's like, it's like, come, come on, on drink. guys. Well, like the, the historical liberties that they've taken are just kind of stupid. Like yeah. the whole thing with Margaret at the White House with President Johnson was just a step too far. Like it was like and that this, weird rude that limerick competition. The what? limericks didn't well, happen. She was None essentially a kind of can can dancer. Yeah, and, yeah. and when she yeah. kissed him on the lips. Yeah, that, yeah, no I was going to say yes, that's, that was weird. Yeah, it's just it's like, in front you know, of a room full of yeah, and I will believe wives and husbands and dignitaries quite a lot like, yeah. with mm. this stuff. Sure, I, you know. I like the bit. I like the stuff where Helen Bonham Carter, you know, is is being casting Helen and she's brilliant. She's been so Joan Collins the whole entire time. I miss Vanessa Kirby like badly. I think I need to watch more of it. Because obviously, again, not Helen Bonham Carter's fault. She is so watchable, and that part is a gift. Like it's definitely better than playing the Queen any day. Margaret is the one who has all the fun. Much more, much more fun. Much more to get your teeth into. But I miss Vanessa Kirby so much. She was in series two. She was absolutely astonishing. Like so involving and sort of um, magnetic. And yeah, I think um, Helen Bonham Carter at the moment is doing. uh, She did. um, Unfortunately, she reminded me of the. absolutely dreadful screenplay she did with um, Dominic West playing Richard Burton when she was Elizabeth Taylor. That was truly Ooh, terrible. Which was And how do you muck up that casting, that story? Right. Somehow they did. Um, I'm not quite buying her yet, but I think I will. But yeah, Vanessa Kirby, the, my palate still tastes of her and she's yes, yeah. she was wonderful. Perfect. Yeah, yeah she so was. I think we all agree, stellar cast, extraordinary costumes. Yes. What Scenery, the hell were they doing with design, the words? Yeah. But, but the words. Bad words the are words not The words need some red pens. <laughs> Let's return to Michael Hogan's playlist and we'll be back in a sec. Diamonds are forever like family and loyalty or real rap songs like cream or my melody. Diamonds are forever like my infinite thought. Hello, Sally Hughes and Kate Sevier still here. Um, we are playing for Michael Hogan's playlist today. That was Family and Loyalty by Gangstar J. Cole. Um, and we also have Julia Rayside here. We have two Hi. TV critics here, so we're having a bit of a TV fest, are we not? I think I think it's all I want to talk about. Michael? Okay. <laughs> yeah, what else is there? So we've had The Crown, we've had I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and we are about to move on to the BBC's biggest outside broadcast of the year, but also a music event, of which I am a, a huge, huge lover, and we are talking about Glastonbury. So it has now been formally announced, initially via a kind of um, puzzle tweet <laughs> by Sir clever, Paul though. McCartney, uh, where he posted a picture of Philip Glass, Emma Stone and Chuck Berry. Really um, clever. Their surname spelling out, obviously, Glastonbury, and let his followers on Twitter work it out. So he will be headlining the Pyramid stage uh, next summer at Glastonbury, which is the 50th Glastonbury. Nice. Um, it will be a week after his 78th birthday. He last wow. played, Yeah, he last played Glastonbury in 2004 in the pouring rain. Um, He's coming back to headline Pyramid. Uh, Diana Ross, of course, is happening on Sunday. Um, Various other acts still to be announced. Um, I have an inkling who some of them are, but I can't say. Say, say. Uh, I cannot say. Um, But there are... um, it promises to be a really incredible Glastonbury this year. How do we feel about Maka? I, I left personally out, I feel left out, Sally. Next question. <laughs> I personally feel that the fiftieth Glastonbury had to be an icon. 
Oh, yeah. God, absolutely. And I'm there not, aren't many left. I say left out. I watch it on TV every year and I absolutely sodding love that. The coverage is unbelievably good. So well done. So I will be enjoying it anyway, um, just not like right there in the field. But um, yeah, no, very important they got someone huge this year. There isn't anyone bigger, is there? I can't think of one. I think it has to be an icon. There are a few left. We've lost, lost Bowie, we've lost Prince. I mean, basically, what is there? There's Springsteen, who did it not that long ago. There's Madonna, Madonna who probably won't do it. Mm. Um, there's Macca. There are very well, few people. There's been talk of Fleetwood Mac for years. but apparently yeah, Fleetwood Mac, Mac for years. Them. I know, that would be... I know, And there's right? always the talk yeah. of, as well of, you know, an Oasis better. reformation or a Stone Roses reformation or a Smiths reformation. That'd be quite boring. Um, but th- <laughs> I think they're kind of pipe dreams, really, aren't I, they? Well, I personally think that um, if no, there everyone was hates to be, Morrissey, pointless. if there was yeah. to be a Smiths refor- reformation, I think um, it's now gone too far for Johnny Marr to go near. And it would you be know, like Johnny Marr is a good again. egg, and <laughs> yeah. I think Johnny Marr. Well, he said that very funny thing recently about he, he, he might as well have Nigel Farage on guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I think Johnny Marr is too good an egg to um, yeah. now go near it. I think there was maybe a possibility a few years ago, but yeah. I think that ship has yeah. sailed. So who are we left with? Well. Well, I, I, how know, many I think Mac is absolutely right. Um, if, I can be, if, if I can be slightly nerdy about sakes. it, it's not the 50th Glastonbury, it's the 50th year of Glastonbury. It's the 50th year of Glastonbury because, of course, What's we have the point, fallow Michael? years. Yeah, oh. they, they lay it fallow, so what? We have fallow so years to allow. So it's about the 38th for Glastonbury or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So um, it's, it's 50 years of Glastonbury because, yeah. of course, we have the fallow year every couple of years so that the ground can recover. But mm. this is 50 Which years, is so, so it's a big great. moment. I think he's... I can totally understand why he's been booked for that. And you're right, there aren't many icons left, and yes, it had to be someone big, but it doesn't really excite me. No. I must Sing say. Hey Jude! Well, I know, it's like, I don't want to, it just feels like. Keep it going! You know, <laughs> do we all get sick of that at London 2012? It's just like, yeah, I don't ever point. want to hear another crowd singing along to no, I know. Hey Jude. Hey Jude, or, or Let It, it Be, it, it either, or indeed Wonderwall or Angels. Mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> that, 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 I, I, I feel don't like, think he's going to do those. It's I think fine. all those, they're just. Uh, I can't, I can't get excited about Macca at Glastonbury. Really? I'm sorry. I, ag- I agree with you. I was just oh. kind of like, and I've never been, so my opinion really doesn't matter. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, uh, uh. Mm. I think this last summer is a tough act to follow in that I, I think there are some Glastonbury defining performances and Stormzy was one of them. Oh I my think. God. I think he Storm- became my new sexuality. I didn't <laughs> know about young men with big, hard chests. See, as I was saying earlier about the passing of time, see, I was there for Stormzy and I turned to my friend Oof. Nadia in tears and said, his mum, I'm so pleased for his mum. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't thinking about his mum apart from is she the same mom. age as me, but yeah. yeah. Oh, she must be so proud. <laughs> um, it, but it was, it, it was a defining performance, wasn't it? The yeah, Stormzy incredible. performance, as was Lizzo. So I think those two were the standout kind of performances of Glastonbury. So it's a tough one to follow. You know, I think uh, rumour has it that Stormzy spent more than his Glastonbury fee putting on the show. Amazing. Spent many, many months rehearsing, took a financial hit on it, certainly took a hit in terms of time because he was carrying a whole movement with him, wasn't Mm. he? It wasn't just about Stormzy, it was about a genre of music. And he's 25, right, he was 25 when he performed that show? Yes. He's a tiny, tiny child. I had inappropriate feelings about him. I still have them now. Yeah. It but was 26 when little, it finished. I mean, so Brian. <laughs> but it was, no, it was. It was much more than just him putting on a show. It was, that it was, was something else. It was yeah. more than. Mm. It was a It was a kind of moment in British culture. Yeah, and it was the first what? ever kind of British urban actor headline Glastonbury and obviously the first grime artist and all that kind of stuff. It was a big thing. What does I mean, Macca have to I do guess, to excite guess, you? Nothing, really. It just has to, you know, he's like, a, he's like the nation's aunt well, straight like, dinner lady, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Even Elton John wouldn't have been... 
That one, John would have excited me more. Actually, I would have been more excited about that for sure because I've not seen him do that before. Yeah. Whereas I feel like I've funny. seen Macca on like James Corden's Carpool Karaoke and singing Hey Jude in yeah, the crowd. The it feels like when I cried doing Carpool Karaoke. I thought it was quite lovely. I'm afraid. Sorry. Yeah, no, it was. It was, but it just doesn't feel like a thing. It's a anymore. big space to fill, isn't it? And if you don't, Elton could do theatre. He could do. There'll there'll be, be a fun show. There would be a bunch of yeah. cool stuff going on on stage with him. Is Macca just going to pare it down? Are they going? What, what can I'm he sure, do? With I'm his sure you know. His set list of my, my instinct, and it really is only instinct and suspicion. I have nothing to go on here. We don't know what he's going to do, but mm. um, I think Drag. Macca will do <laughs> a thing. Do I mean? don't think Macca will will strip it back. I think Macca will do a thing. I feel like I think he'll rise to the occasion. No, no, I <laughs> think he, I think he'll rise to the occasion, and I think it it will be a piece of theatre. That's my instinct and oh, my I hope, hope so. I guess. I mean, I know what yeah. Hogan's saying. I think, I think the. F- 50th year of Glastonbury requires it does something a little extra it does and I think Stormzy was such a moment and he you know Stormzy had ballerinas he had that little amazing b-girl oh, he little had girl. Chris Martin oh. he had all of the stuff it was bells and whistles he had loads of good stuff and Chris Martin <laughs> <laughs> I like Chris Martin and I, I don't like mind Cole. Chris Martin but it was the least exciting bit of an incredible yeah, yeah, set yeah. I agree yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of where I took a breather and had a swig of my um, <laughs> cider or whatever um, but I, I feel like Maka will rise to the occasion his children have been really influential um, when he was interviewed uh, about this, he said, um, my kids said, Dad, we've got to talk about Glastonbury. And I knew what they meant. That's so sweet. It, so it sounds as though his kids have been incredibly influential. I think Stella might be creatively like consulting behind the scenes to make it look a bit more exciting, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope so. I feel that? like... I feel like it could be a thing. Ringo will come out. Yeah. <laughs> now that would be good. That would be really amazing. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Bongo! <laughs> but it's, uh, I think my last Glastonbury that I went to, I used to go to Glastonbury every, not every year, because it's not on every so year. Me and Kate, you've never been, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but I used to go to Glastonbury, you know, every, every festival, and I sort of haven't been really since I've had kids and stuff and got old. But the last <laughs> one I went to, I think, was Macca's previous headline. Oh, okay, so you've seen so him do the, that. Sort of mid noughties 2004. Yeah. And, and how I, was that? And I think I, uh, and this is probably sacrilege, I kind of got a bit bored and went off to see, to rave in the other stage to <laughs> Chemical Brothers Orbital or something. Um, because, yeah, I, I don't know, the Glastonbury Saturday headlines become such a thing, particularly in the sort of, um, you know, the t- TV coverage era. There seems to be a lot of pressure and a lot of attention on it. As we know, Glastonbury is a huge thing. There's often brilliant things going on elsewhere, and I, and it didn't seem a big deal that if I didn't like this headline well, act, quite, I'd wander off and see something else. Why I'm I'm with Michael Hogan on this. In that the joy of Glastonbury is that there is a Glastonbury for everyone. Mm. And so uh, this last summer, I went to uh, see the Chemical Brothers because I love the Chems, and of course I knew it'd be brilliant. And halfway through the Chemical Brothers, I got so pissed off with people around me filming the whole thing, oh thing God, through their phone that I thought no reflection on the Chemical Brothers, who were typically brilliant, but everyone was kind of filming it. And I thought, you know what? I quite fancy going to see Hot Chip. And I wandered off and I went to see Hot Chip, which was much more chilled, lots of Mm. people my age, people just having a dance. Mm. And it was bliss. And that's the point, isn't it? You don't have to go and see Macca. At the same time that Macca's on, something else will be on that's more your cup of tea in any number of areas. Yeah. I just I don't know I I may call me uh, an old curmudgeon but the, the idea old of Macca back to back with Jack White or someone you know doing Get Back uh, and loads of people singing along I'm just like oh Christ 
There ain't no pleasing you, Michael Hogan. Have nah. I not seen that enough in my life? <laughs> Have I not heard people bellowing no, 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 no enough in my life? But I think, I mean, I'm with you. I will go and see Maka, but I completely respect your opinion. But at the same time, one always has to be careful to not be the guy who goes, oh, rubbish no, lineup. Because <laughs> those guys, that's death, yeah, yeah, right? If yeah, you're yeah. one of the. No. Don't come. Just don't come. Yeah, oh, grime. You don't have to watch it. It's hard enough to get tickets. It's the people who moan about the three headliners. They're the annoying people. Yeah. Because there's like 500 other things. Yeah, billions of things to see. Diana Ross, though. Good. I feel like that will be a party. Now that's theatre. Yes, party definitely. Yeah. I've How's Diana holding up these days? Oh, that's that's the worry, isn't it? Sometimes they, those legend sets can be a little bit doddery. Well, in my experience, that particular slot, which is a Sunday afternoon, I personally, and this is very, very, very out of step with public opinion, and I'm completely prepared to accept. Um, their view on it but I thought Kylie was lame I thought it was a bad set oh I missed her set actually on telly but Barry Gibb (laughs) in that set was fantastic Jackson 5 or or the Jacksons as they're now called (laughs) they were very good I think that slot is feel good times because it's not just about the artist it's when all the locals come so I think if you live in uh, Glastonbury or in the surrounding area you can get a local ticket for the Sunday for free or very little money and you just go for the Sunday so there's a vibe about that Sunday afternoon set that's quite lovely. People are yeah, feeling totally a bit agree. sentimental, a bit so, hungover, a bit come downy. A little, a little gentle. Like a, like a confused old lady stuck around <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a kind of coat looking a bit confused, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> now, I'd, I'd, I feel like Sunday afternoon could also do with a little bit of banana armor or something. Oh, or, pop. Yeah, or definitely. TLC or TLC or mm. On Vogue or one of those bands mm. that are kind of TLC doing the rounds. TLC are coming back. The two of them are, are doing a... I saw some LC. posters somewhere. Well, yes, exactly. No, TC. TC. Because <laughs> oh, Lisa Left Eye is no longer with ever glass me set the night headliner on the main stage it's, not, it's never my favourite slot because I, I don't really like Radiohead or Coldplay or oh Mac I love Radiohead um, but I my love Coldplay Special Boys they, they were amazing oh yeah and um, uh, and they played a storming sort of greatest hit set everyone was going mad for it and it was just brilliant mm. and, and that that's kind of that's the kind of Glastonbury memories that I have yeah not kind of people bellowing along to dad rock <laughs> well Last. i'm basic so i really liked adele adele yeah. was amazing oh, yeah, she was terrific there was something kind of great crying. about adele yeah. it was really Jay-Z stripped was back yeah kanye not so much mm. oh god no what was that beyond saying jay-z were terrific cheese grater. it was just dreadful yeah it just didn't work Weird did stage it? set oh so boring and he seems like such a nice guy <laughs> let's go back uh, let's go to Stored another chest, though. <laughs> Sorry. let's go back to Michael Hogan's playlist and another Stone Cold banger from uh, Glastonbury this year Janelle Monáe yeah. Baby don't make me spell it out for you All of the feelings that I got for you Can't be explained but I can try for you yeah, baby, don't make me spell it out for you. You keep on asking me the same question. Make me feel Janelle Monet as chosen by TV critic and broadcaster Michael Hogan. We've still got Julia Rayside here, also TV critic and broadcaster. I know. Some may say that my uh, so my interests are narrow. Um, <laughs> and obviously uh, my co-host Kate Sevilla, who's going to talk to us about um, a tuning fork. Please explain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Everyone's favorite 
What is she, what is her title? Tidying person. Tidying lady. Decluttering guru. Decluttering guru. Yes. I like that. That's very Spot good. Spot the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who is this woman? She like does stuff. Um, Marie Kondo. Um, is like pulling a Gwyneth Paltrow and has a shop online on her website where she sells items for your home. Um, and uh, rather bafflingly, she is selling a tuning fork that now there's a whole bunch of different tuning forks and they are paired with different um well crystals. why stop at one who needs just one <laughs> tuning fork <laughs> yeah so this one in particular comes with a uh, rose quartz crystal kit um and it costs 58 pounds so is the idea you put you hit the fork on the crystal right um i would assume noise, so yes or maybe you're yeah because then you're turn, tuning your home yeah. to whatever vibe that crystal is going to, to like give off yes. yeah the what is it, the condo method i'm just shaking my head i've got nothing to say yeah <laughs> um the shop itself i highly if you want to laugh firstly the guardian have a wonderful takedown of it um if you want to have a good laugh, go onto the website, have a browse through her shop because there are items such as uh, a cheese fork, not a large one, a small cheese fork <laughs> that is about $168. <gasps> uh, oh, yeah. Like it's Gwyneth levels of ridiculousness. Are there any and eggs that you put inside no yourself? No, yeah, no, I did no. not find yeah. any. Um, vaginal eggs Michael uh, did you ever get that removed or is it still there <laughs> he's clenching away can I bang a fork is again that a, is, that, yeah, is that a tuning fork I hear it's coming from Michael oh, interesting um, yeah so I just I mean the whole fucking point of her method is does this spark joy and minimalism and then why the fuck are you selling a whole bunch of unnecessary yeah. items for Absolute a very high tut. price point yeah. well as, as the Guardian says I mean that is the elephant in the room, isn't it? The Guardian says... Um, Let's tidy the elephant in the room away, so. <laughs> Does it spark Does joy? It spark joy? <laughs> the Guardian says it's essentially the same as if Joe Wicks followed a weight loss book with a range of butter-stuffed donuts. <laughs> what she's telling you is to throw throw everything away, then Except fill up your house with this with absolutely yeah. useless shite. I mean, shite. the stuff on there, like, there's a whole bunch of trays. Like, she sells trays <laughs> that you organise things on oh, uh, for, like, $50 she's to Genius. Oh, so smart. <laughs> but I keep forgetting her name. What was the name of the woman that we had on who does organization? This girl can organize. Yes, this girl can organize. What I love, the difference is that Technically she uses, not her real name. No, that's, that's <laughs> Nicola. Determinism there, right? I'm so sorry, Nicola. I can't remember your surname. But when she goes in and organizes homes, she will literally use like a shoe, the top of a shoebox to use as a tray and organize things. Meanwhile, Marie... You know, hawking these things for two hundred dollars. Like. So, so she says that um, everything that fails to spark joy in your life should go in the bin. And so she sells a handmade quartz KonMari bin for six hundred pounds on the uh, on the website. I'd rather no, set fire I think that to that was six hundred pounds and watch it burn. I think that that was yeah. satire. A, I think that bit they're making up might, might be true. There's a shiatsu stick as well, which is the, the nine pounds for a basically a twig. Yeah, yeah that's a legitimate of, There's one item. to get rid of crumbs. And it's still, an, like... it's still got bark on it and everything. Oh, uh, yeah, Shopping my Stone God. started doing this recently. I live, I live in London's um, media enclave and People's Republic of Stone. Nappy Valley. Of course you do. Nappy Valley. <laughs> and there's a, you know, the, every other shop is either a sort of hipster coffee shop or a kind of knickknacks. Yeah, shop. yeah. And there's one of the one of the knickknacks gifts shops. for someone you've forgotten to buy a gift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gifts for people you don't. Brighton's got like a lot of those. Mm. About. 
Um, and when they started selling tree branches recently for sort of in sort of sets of three for like thirty pounds, <laughs> a bundle, so, so, to sort of like mount on your wall. And they had them mounted on the wall of the shop in this sort of this sort of almost sure. like flying duck. Formation. You've got some, haven't you, Michael? And they went a bit viral on Twitter, and everyone laughed them out of State Newington. They had to sort of, sort of oh, like no. shamefully take the sticks. They off. had to put <laughs> the sticks back in the woods from because, which you know, they found them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Marie Kondo seems to have no such compunctions about this with her £9 sticks. Yeah, I mean, I think probably, as much as I don't buy into any of it, I am kind of averse to anything that's a bit woo-wah. That has yeah. You don't like astrology? You live in Brighton, what the <laughs> F? Like, how, why, how I, I, like I have a permanently furious Hippies expression. on all sides coming at you with, like, their funny twins. Mercury and, yeah. and retrograde. And oh, jeez. I do have a permanently furious expression because I do live in the hippie capital of Britain. Um, but I also live in the gay and drag capital of Britain, so it so kind of levels right. out, yeah, yeah, fun-wise. Um, but I am I am instinctively averse to woo-wah things. But yeah. I must say, somewhere beneath the layers of kind of crystal and bullshit, I, I do think that there's an element, that there's a germ of an idea in the Marie Kondo is it, method that is true. Is it, yes. is it, I, oh, tid- yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it tidy up? Tidy up? <laughs> it's tidy up, but it's also do like don't buy something if you don't love it. And yeah. I do, I do think there is something in yeah, that. Yeah, there's something in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, of it's, course, it's absolutely. It, but, but level two of flogging needless old took back to those people. <laughs> I, I do think <laughs> that yeah. I will very often um, the thing I buy will be something I, I I buy fewer things but better things. Yeah, of course, yeah, better fine. quality. Don't spend as much money on More rubbish. Expensive for driving legs. <laughs> <laughs> I think the ones that you've carved yourself from the blue source materials. I think, I think yes. by and large, we buy too much stuff, and there are lots of reasons oh, yes. for that. But one of the reasons we buy too much stuff is that we don't ask ourselves the question if we really, really love it. Mm-hmm. We think, what do other people have? What am I supposed mm-hmm. to have? What's cheap? What comes yep. in loads of colours? What's accessible to me? When, in fact, if we just stopped and said, do I really love it? We would buy fewer things but better things that would last longer. Mm. And so I can see, mm-hmm. to play devil's advocate, why somebody would want to subscribe to the Marie Kondo. But you can't yes. make loads of money saying have less stuff. If right. you want to sell stuff to people right. you've just told to have less stuff, then right. you're going to have to just make up some reason why you're toot, as Michael put it yeah. quite wisely, uh, is better than the stuff they already have. Because this tray sparks um, Kate Sevilla, yeah. do we know what the tuning fork is meant to be doing? Oh, sorry, it's a silly question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fussy like that. Home, I want to know. Sally, obviously. It's a therapeutic um, I I think, that much, but well, I'm not sure I've watched a couple of episodes of her show on Netflix, and she always begins each sort of uh, tidying session with people um, thanking their home or kind of taking a moment to listen <laughs> to what their home is telling them. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you say shut up, but like... My home is telling me to shut up. Your your, your home is saying, you clean me. Um, So I think that the, I don't know enough about her, but I think that there is kind of a woo-wah, as Sally would say, element behind the method. Are you saying there's no scientific basis between uh, behind banging a fork <laughs> against a rock? I can't believe um, this is against true. Some I can't believe what I'm hearing. What the fuck? No. Yeah. I don't know what it's supposed to yeah. do but I have a feeling it's whatever rose quartz stands for. Is it something about like attracting love or something? Oh, if so you want God. that. It's some crystal bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if you Christmas want that. Up, so, um, yeah. yeah. Well that's what I. Everyone buy Sally some sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can really annoy her. She's an Aquarius and they but, love you know, <laughs> <laughs> the point the point is that people will buy it. 
just as people buy things from Goop and people yeah, chase. Yeah, idiots will and like it's good luck It's the wellness them. commodity. It, it's big wellness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but also, I always think with these things, yes, it's wellness. Yes, it's people buying into a thing that will make them feel better. But I, I also think very often it's about thinking, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be oh, yeah. that kind of woman. I want to be... I want to play that part in life where I'm... Yeah, totally. These lifestyle brands, yeah. I mean, that's just... It's just like... Instagram, it's women's magazines. It's like, this is nothing new, right? It's just... It's just when it gets more and more expensive and the bar gets set yeah. higher and higher and higher. And it used to be like, I don't think your average woman opens up Vogue and goes, oh, yes, this is for me. Mm-hmm. Like they know, like we know when we're reading it, that there's this whole aspirational thing behind it. But there's sort of an honesty to Vogue, isn't yes, there? Yes, absolutely. There the, is. They're the, not pretending. We're all in on it, right? Yeah. So there's an honesty to Vogue, which is this is an absurdly expensive coat that's mm-hmm. £8,000 or £10,000. Yeah. You will never be able to afford it, but isn't it? pretty you can look at it yes, yeah, and they're not saying you're no, a piece of shit if you can't really afford like that no the sea is not that blue no yep. that food doesn't look like yep. that and we kind of play along and that's okay yeah, but the wellness thing kind mm-hmm. of um blurs the line because she's yeah. passing it off as science or well there's this doctor who says and like they didn't even have a fact checker until that whole new york times profile came out i think last year like oh, the they're passing thing. it yeah, they're yeah, passing yeah. these things off as a scientific fact or well, we have a doctor who agrees with this, so well, it must it be fine. That, we have a nutritionist yeah. who says it's fine, so well, it's Paltrow fine. Well, will believe anything. Yeah, believe and, anything, passing and then it pass off, it on as like it's like it's fact. That's it's the problem, and yeah. I think that she has done this thing where they're setting the bar for normal women to be much much higher than it needs to be, yeah. and based on nothing, yeah. and kind of feeding off of people's insecurities in a way that's really exploitative. That I don't. I think that's I, a good that word. I don't like. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, I so. am going to put another record from Michael Hogan's playlist on because I'm actually so hot. I'm about to pass. It's, very it's hot. boiling. Stick your fork up your ass, Marie Kondo. <laughs> Where's my tuning? Yeah. Let's go. Put some eggs in the fridge. <laughs> Let's go with St. Vincent from Michael Hogan's playlist. Back in a minute. New York is in New York without you, love. So far in a few blocks to be so low. And if I call you from first Avenue, we're the only one. Hello, welcome back. I'm still here, Sally Hughes, with Kate Severe and Michael Hogan and Julia Rayside. Somebody's alarm clock has gone off. Michael, Hogan, do you Michael? to get up and what? No, can you, can you, I'll let you guess what that alarm's for. It's half past three. Medicine? Let's go run. <laughs> Oh. Ah, so it's like, round oh, shit, about now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's round about now every day that Michael Hogan goes to get his children from school. That's kind of sweet. They can make their own What's happening home, today? So. Uh, Fend for themselves. <laughs> no, yeah, my, my son's got art Uber. club after school. Oh. And my daughter's going on a play date. Very nice. So Michael Hogan and Julia Rayside are both uh, TV critics. Uh, what gives in the world of TV? I feel like, are you just fully immersed in the world of Strictly at the moment? Is Are all other bets off or have you got your eye I, on more exciting things? I have a kind of, yeah, September to December each year is sort of, my life is taken over by Strictly somewhat. Yeah, year. I invited you out on Saturday. You said no, can't because of Strictly. I nice know. excuse, man. <laughs> He just wanted it. to watch it. He didn't actually have to review it. Um, just... so, th- so that's happening, and that's that's exciting. It's a good series, I think. Um, there was great controversy this weekend, was there not? Yeah, 
Michelle Visage. Yeah, there have been a few. There have been two notable eliminations. There shouldn't have been. Dev Griffin went out way too early, and Michelle Visage went out too early. So there's always that kind of, you know, there's lots of talking points around it. Bruno Tonioli is singing this weekend. Good lord! First time I know, which everyone's slightly. I like Bruno though. He's a good actor. I like Bruno too. Um, I'm hoping he'll sing a Banana Rama song from when he was there back yep. in dancer and choreographer. Yep. Um, the two, my two favourite things on air right now, we'll come up and talk about upcoming stuff in a minute, mm. there's lots of exciting Christmas yeah. and winter TV coming up. My two favourite things right now both begin with G. They are Guilt. Guilt and, is marvellous. And Giri Hadji, both of which are on BBC mm. Two. haven't seen the latter. I've not seen either one. Tell us about Guilt, though, because yeah. I feel that Guilt is flying under the radar, isn't it? Yeah. And it's quite I'll an say, interesting... With me it always is, but... <laughs> Well, it's, <laughs> it's yes. kind of an odd one because it's not it's just a, a TV programme, but a way of life. <laughs> a constant, it's a BBC Scotland state. production, which partly, and this is kind of sort of nerdy way of looking at it, but partly it means that each episode goes on BBC Scotland one week and then BBC Two the following week, which partly means that in legally in the TV listings in England it has to be marked as a repeat. Oh, interesting. Huh. Which doesn't do it any favours, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's a four-part sort of comedy thriller starring Mark Bonner. Uh, episode one starts with Mark Bonner and his brother driving back slightly drunk from a wedding outside Edinburgh and they run someone over and kill them. <gasps> and because Mark Bonner is a lawyer, he decides that his career can't be ended by this. He so attempts they, to clean up the scene. So they clean up the scene and cover up, cover up the accident and then over the following four episodes, obviously things spiral out of their control and... They have to go to more and more extreme lengths to kind of keep the show on the road. So I don't think this is too much of a spoiler when we say that the niece of the deceased, the niece of the deceased becomes a prominent character and yeah. things become entangled yeah. with her. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, it's really clever. It's written by um, Neil Forsyth, who does comedy normally. Um, but he wrote that brilliant... Um, uh, drama about uh, Morecambe and Wise last year. That which Mark, was marvellous. Which was marvellous. Mark Bonner was brilliant, Eric Morecambe in that. And they sort of, they, so him and Neil Forsyth are kind of reunited in this. Supporting cast is brilliant. Um, Bill Patterson, aka Fleabag's dad, uh, arrives. Oh, in, He's terrific. In series, in episode three, or I think, I think in episode three. Three, yeah. Um, uh, and he adds a sort of whole new dimension to it. And it just keeps, it, it just really cleverly just keeps spinning slightly out of the main character's control the whole time. Um, and it's uh, and it's very funny. Mark Bonner is hilarious in it, and he sort of just spits out these brilliant one-liners the whole time, very sarcastically as his life kind of goes to shite. Um, I like and- him for doing it because he's in an awful lot of high-profile stuff, and he kind of didn't have to do a little BBC Scotland uh, project. I think it's a rare lead for him. I think he's, he does he does lots of really good supporting work and other stuff, like in Catastrophe and Line of Duty and um, Unforgotten. He was amazing. Unforgotten. Yeah. Um, but this is this is like yeah he's properly the dramatic lead in this, uh, and and yeah, he's a morally marvelous. reprehensible character. He's isn't he? awful. He's but awful. I sort of, you're sort of rooting for him, which is quite a unique yeah. skill, isn't it, to be able to do yeah, that? You, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the, the two brothers are very different. One's kind of um, sort of hippy dippy dreamer who owns a failing record shop. I think the word you're looking for there is fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. He's yes. also fit. Um, who's like something out of a Nick Hornby book or something? Yeah, like, talks yeah. about records the whole time. And then there's Mark Bonner, who's this kind of slick cynical, slightly amoral lawyer and you don't really realise the extent of how bad he is until the series And there's some push and pull between the two brothers. You get the sense that nothing has ever really happened to bring them together before since childhood. Yeah, they kind of, there's a brilliant scene in episode four 
where they sort of talk about their childhood and it sort of becomes clear what the dynamic between them is about and that's kind of very affecting so there are moments of real emotion in it but it's really good and it's, as you say it's flown under the radar a bit i mean i you know i gave it a five star review in the telegraph and 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 have been raving about it on twitter but i think yeah because it's on bbc2 it's at nine o'clock, it's marked as a repeat, it's BBC Scotland, it's maybe not the most glamorous-looking show when there's lots of glamorous-looking shows around. It's not got the audience it deserves, I don't think. But to play devil's advocate, I do think very often the best thing that can ever happen to a programme is to be on BBC Two, because it feels yeah, like absolutely. things on BBC Two are allowed to breathe a bit more and bed in yeah. and find their audience, The Office yeah. obviously being the ultimate example yeah. of that. And Line of Duty mm. started on BBC Two before it moved to yeah. BBC One, and The Apprentice did. Yeah. You know, people think things can grow without as much pressure on them. The Apprentice is an interesting one, isn't it? Because, um, oh, Suggs is just walking past the studio. That's exciting. Hi, Suggs. Hello, Suggs from Madness. Um, he's just walking past. Um, I looks can conf- looking very dapper. I, like I can confirm coat. that he's still very attractive yeah. for um, <laughs> other children of the 80s. Tweed overcoat and uh, navy blue trousers, <laughs> not baggy trousers. No, and, no, uh, baggy and, uh, and a brogue, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Very handsome. Uh, it's interesting with The Apprentice because that's um, a really good example of something going very bad when it becomes mainstream. So this is the first series of The Apprentice my husband and I have um, almost telepathically opted out of. I think just before it started, yeah, same. Not we sort of looked at one another... And we both knew that we couldn't be asked it's to watch it. It's a different world now. We don't want to see people being appalling. And well, I think no, because we're now living it, right? it's just like, a bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're running the, the country, for God's I mean, sake. literally, with Trump. Like, yeah. this is... And Katie Hopkins. I think between them, Ugh. Trump and okay. Katie Hopkins kind of and, ruined that franchise. And um, Michelle, what's her name? Um, Brexit woman. Brexit woman. Michelle Huckleberry. What? Dubry. Oh, is she a Brexit lady? She's a Brexiteer. She's a Oh, that makes sense. She's oh, appeared. To, oh, Suggs is coming in the building. Hi, Suggs. Um, <laughs> she has appeared on uh, Question Sally's got Time. Sally's got all the flutter. I have. <laughs> You're right. Would you, uh, Sally? Just, is this being pumped into the other room? I think they do pump it into the other room. My pheromones are being pumped into the other room. Would you have sex with Suggs? Yes or no? Would you pump him in the other room? No, no. This isn't the question. I think they usually do play it. No, no. Yes. Um, Michelle, uh, the Apprentice gave us Michelle Dubry. They made uh, Piers Morgan a global star. They gave us Donald Trump, and you know I can take or leave Sugar. To be honest, he's he's played a couple of very poor movies. Would you just nuke the person who thought of the Apprentice (laughs) as a format? I would. Not Hitler. Not Hitler as a baby. The person who invented the Apprentice. And of course, as you rightly say, Katie Hopkins, who Mm. who, who's some kind of monster who very sadly has been forced to sell her house and to move into rented accommodation. And Sally is really sad because there was that thing in the paper this week saying she was really sad that um, that that just telling the truth has ruined her career. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yes, even though she implied that Jackson Suggs Rome... is coming in. Suggs is coming I in. Heard. What Hi, the Suggs. hell? Hiya. I just said on the radio, Suggs has just walked past and he still looks very handsome and here you are. Suggs <laughs> has just wandered we, we into the studio. Suggs. Just putting it out there. All right, I do. <laughs> what the hell? Suggs is here. Hello. What are you doing here? I, I, I'm here to meet my friend Chris Sullivan who does a show, I think. Well, I know yours. Chris well. Do you? Yes, yeah. Great, great, great. And I'm also doing a documentary about Soho, and we were just talking about, you do realise, you youngsters. <laughs> Bless you, I'm 44, I love you. Was cured on this oh. very corner. What was it really? Tell us more, we're on Broadwick Street in Soho. Go on. So, if you look at the pub there, it's called the John Snow. Yeah. And outside that pub was a water pump. And up to that point, everybody thought that uh, all diseases were airborne. And it was Jon Snow who realised that everyone was getting cholera 
from this one water pump there Damn. and cut it off. And suddenly cholera Gone. started to desist. Amazing. And it was the first time they realised that not all diseases are airborne. Wow. Snow. I right. cannot That's stress cool. how gutted my husband is going to be. That he walked out of my radio show and then Suggs uh, well, wandered in <laughs> and started talking so. about cholera. My husband's first gig of his life was a matinee oh. of madness because if you were a child, you could go to a matinee. <laughs> and he went now to a matinee talking. in Newcastle now to see madness talking. and it was his first no. gig and he oh, still talks about 80, it. 81, I guess. So my first gig was 84 and that was the Smiths in Newport Centre I think he would have been it would have been 80 probably that is very wow. interesting I'll tell you another story because we just did a gig at the <laughs> electric ballroom we just did a gig at the electric ballroom it was the exact date 40 years ago 1979 so we charged the same price £2.50 to get in <laughs> and the beer and we played the same set Wow. Really dreary, drab old cobblers. <laughs> well, it meant a great deal to him, Zuggs. <laughs> what it was, though, is your husband was the first because he suddenly, when we brought out baggy trousers, all these kids were turning yeah, up, yeah. but they weren't allowed into the venues. Right. They were like 15, 14, whatever. Yeah. Some in school playgrounds, I remember that time. So we decided to do matinees. Oh. Imagine. So we had to do two gigs, one in the afternoon That's and one so at the night. <laughs> Right. But yeah, a lot of so that was his first ever gig. Well, and he still go. talks about it. He says it was like the most excited he'd ever felt. Well, he he was here and he left like 20 minutes ago. Well, I'll tell you what, the funny thing about the matinees was we, we, we decided to have a, a magician and he got booed <laughs> off every afternoon. <laughs> We can see the wire. They just wanted to see a band. They didn't want to see a magician. We made the mistake of, uh, you know, under, uh, you know, anticipating their desire to see music. Yeah. But, but no, it was really, really bizarre. Do you have wheat squash and cake as well for the, like the really little kids? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, yeah, a bit no, of damp sponge. And then I, I, I saw you in the early 90s. I went to the first ever Madstock in Finsbury Park. And Ian Jury played. Yes, I went to that. Ian Jury played. Ian Jury was incredible. Not that you weren't, but it was the only time I ever saw Ian Jury. And it was so incredible. The it People's Poet Laureate. Yeah, he was the mm. best. Of course he yeah. was. Of course he was. Of course he was. Are you well, a fan of his son, Baxter? Yeah, I like Baxter too. Yeah, yeah, I like Baxter. I like Baxter's Baxter. in the new Boots and Panties sleeve, isn't he? He's on he is. The, yeah. He is. Yeah. Mm. And I'll tell you something about that. I've got the original photograph of that. Is that they did the photo session and uh, he just wandered in and stood next to his Aww. dad. And then he went... That's the shop. That's the shop. It's in Clapham Junction, isn't it? That shop, and there's yeah, a yeah. sign. There's a sign in the window that says um, "Chelsea Boots for Battersea Boys." It's very, very cute, and they're but there also, in their strides. My mate uh, Cleopatra, who was working in the uh, PR department, just wrote "Ian Jury, New Boots and Panties" in a felt pen. And that was the cover. And that's it. Amazing. Oh, that's it. And that was it. And does that she get royalties it. from that? I don't think so. No, I don't think she does. But Ian Jury, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a character. Yeah, there's oh. a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're listening, you're not on glue. Um, Sucks <laughs> 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 uh, Madness wandered into my radio show and we all started and reminiscing about gigs. Hello. Hello. Hey, this is your very stylish friend. Yeah, right. Sucks has brought his very stylish friend. Tell us about you, Millie. What's this? 
she well, would do. Well, my thing is I, I knew Sadie's mother extremely well. I used to work at the colony room. Oh, so, wow. So we're old school. We're just doing a ah. film really Soho at the moment. So that's why I'm here. Fantastic. Sweet. As we're in a little afternoon. I'm going to leave him shortly. I was okay. just trying to say goodbye and I saw that he was lost in a little <laughs> vacuum of madness. <laughs> the stories, I mean, he's just so full of stories. You just have like a his voice mother. for broadcasting, women. Um, do you do this, like, professionally? No, I don't, but I'll come Ooh. in and see if I can get a little... Yeah, your voice is... we're on the subject of Soho, <laughs> which we are. We're he's got the Michael has had his microphone taken away. We are Soho. Yeah. Millie, yeah, I don't know if you know the history of the colony, which was a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even that long since it closed. Lucy Freud, Francis Bacon... Amazing, and all that, and then after that, the, the, the Brit artists and all that. But Millie worked in mm. in, in, in the colony uh, behind the bar, and so we're doing this documentary about Soho, and we had to talk to Millie. And Millie came to Soho because I was invited to a friend's wedding reception at the colony room. That is a cool place to and have your wedding. So I, I went a few times, and I went, "Would you come in and work?" And I went, "I've never worked in a bar before." They said, no, listen, it's a Don't piece matter. of piss. Piece of piss. You can do you it with your great. eyes closed. You look great, just have a job. You can talk to people. We just want you to hear. It'll be easy. So that was it. And Amazing. that's where I met Sud's mum. Oh. Yeah, we became great mates. We knew each other. Was we... your mum working that job? She no, she was, oh, listen, she was a punter and she was top dog. Oh, really? <laughs> she was top dog. She really? Listen, you could, you could not... So you two are proper Londoners, aren't oh, you? You're oh, Camden, listen. aren't you? Yeah, and I'm Hackney. Yeah. Proper, so proper where Londoners. can we see this or hear this Soho documentary? Yeah, yeah When's us. it coming and where well, is it coming? Well, 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 the great thing is, is some friends of mine have been talking about it for some time and uh, they've been doing it for about four years. Mm. But just, you know, they get a bit of money, yeah. they do a bit of more, course. get a bit of money, do it. So it's been going on. But the great thing was that they started it and recorded some interviews with a lot of people who are now dead. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm. So, including my mum, yes. God rest mm. her soul. Bernie, oh. presumably. Yeah. Bernie. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. And so, exactly, mm. exactly, exactly. And so, they've recorded a lot of great stuff. And it's not like what we were talking, not just to be a sort of grumpy old man, kind of like what life used to be, but they have captured something of that the period. Time, that time. I mean, and, and, and talking to Millie today about that, the colony, for instance, you know, because pubs used to shut at three o'clock mm. and open again at 5.30. Mm. So these funny old uh, members-only clubs sprung up all over Soho. Mm. But the colony really was... Uh, the epitome. It was, it was the epitome. Extraordinary of, yeah. place. Absolutely. yeah. You wow. know, and we were talking earlier about writers, painters, poets, mm. but also just ordinary people used to mm. come yeah. in off the street. And strippers and mm, prostitutes. Plumbers, There's no way like yeah. that now, yeah, is there? But, and everyone was equal. Yeah. When you enter that room, everyone was equal. And that was the beauty of that room. Mm, yeah, it's amazing. also yeah. true of the Groucho, because I think people talk about the Groucho mm. now as this obviously kind of, you know, media, sometimes a bit Euro-trashy hangout. But, but the reason the Groucho opened in the first mm. place is because all the private members clubs were men only. And the oh, Groucho, wow, I didn't know that. And the Groucho uh, was adamant that they were going to open a... Uh, we know the Colony Club's different, but um, <laughs> they wanted... <laughs> They wanted to. Uh, they wanted to open a private members club that was open to women. Yeah, I'm sure there was that element yeah. of, of gentlemen only, but not not the colony. Not the colony. No, no, no. no. no it was the mayhem. The was formed on the back of the madness from colony room, and yeah. the colony had been around for yeah. decades. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Members bar now members bar, but yeah. the colony and was the establishment the original, was one of the original members yeah. bar. 
Are you, That's what any, are you in any clubs now? Are you two? Are you members of anything? No, we just go out and socialise. Nice. Um, and what's left in Soho now is you've got Jerry's and Trisha's. Yeah. Is you Jerry's still Trisha's? going? I haven't been oh, to Jerry's. Yeah, I haven't been to Jerry's in yeah. ages. Yeah, well, yeah. There were like 200... I mean, the more the merrier. <laughs> Come in, friend. Come in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Bye. unexpected. Sucks and Melly. Goodbye. Um, well, that was unexpected. Took a turn. Shall we um, put a record on while we gather our thoughts? <laughs> I think uh, you certainly need to, Sally. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody Speak by DJ Shadow and Run the Jewels, as chosen by our guest, Michael Hogan. Picture this, I'm a bag of dicks, put me to your lips. I am sick, I will punch a baby bear in his shit. Give me lip, I'm going to send you to the yard. Get a stick, make a switch. Oh, it's very warm, though. That was, no, you just heard Julia Ray <laughs> really talking hot, like a nana. Oh, it's warm that. in here. <laughs> yeah, I like warm, but it's too warm. Oh, I'm about to take <laughs> me cardio. Days ago, we all started the fricking menopause in unison. We're so sweaty and hot. So. Um, so, if you heard the last segment, that was quite an extraordinary turn mm-hmm. of events. Suggs just hormones from around, madness really. just walked well, past sort of the walked studio past the and then walked We all in. admired him, and then, him and then he kind of doubled back and actually came in. He's still there. He's still there. And my poor husband had just left and didn't get to meet one of his heroes. This is very distressing. So that was a slight detour. TV critic. Yeah, we are now drinking. TV. I think maybe Suggs has had a drink. I think we can. Possibly say that. I think he's enjoyed his lunch. (laughs) I think he's enjoyed his lunch. (laughs) In a kind of uh, salubrious. Yes, exactly. Um, Michael Hogan, TV critic, was talking about how much he loves guilt, and I was very much in agreement. What else is coming up on TV? Sorry, I think Julia's going to talk about this too. No, go on, you. I was just just saying that my two favourite things on air at the moment. Both of you with G, so Guilt and Giri Hadji. Giri Hadji, which is, I know Giri you're Hadji. a fan of. Okay, this has passed me by. What's what going on? It? It's nuts. I mean, okay, so <laughs> it's nuts. It's set between, uh, I think, Tokyo and London. Yes. It stars Kelly MacDonald out of Off of Train Spotting as a Love kind Kelly of She's lady fab. detective person, correct? Yes. Right. And, um, and <laughs> there's some, sometimes when I watch it, I think I'm inhaling things because it's confusing and, and quirky. There's two brothers, and um, a guy, a detective, comes from Tokyo to find his brother who's involved with the Japanese gangster thing going on in London, and it's all a bit... But just the story, I've, I've barely shown interest in the style of it. The, the, it's kind of really um, quirky and odd, and every, every time another scene appears, it's really unexpected. There's writing on the road sometimes. What? But it's just it's beautifully told, <laughs> odd. It feels genuinely original, and um, I just think... TV doesn't do that very much anymore because we're kind of you know we're at there's so many dramas. Like, it's it kind of a, it's, it's kind of a crime weather. drama. Really. Yeah, it's a crime drama. It's about it's about the kind of Japanese underground um, crime scene in London and the links with Tokyo and gangsters and all, things that leave me really cold. But like the human story underneath is beautiful. And that's what And it goes into these kind of like little kind of manga bits and animation. And there's like black and white flashbacks and letterbox format. And it's like really. See, this sounds like I would hate it. But the fact that you two like it does make me It's co production with Netflix. So they've got. They've had like the, you know, it's got budget because Netflix have co funded it. So And so there's beautiful scenes in both London and Tokyo, the international cast. And yeah, it's really. The writer Joe Barton, I interviewed him. About it actually. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, did you? And, um, and he was saying that he he yeah he's he's 
he wanted to write a crime drama, but one that was kind of impressionistic and playful and kind of arty. And that he's amazed that he was able to do that. That he said, "Oh, let's have an animated sequence here, and let's have a flashback in black and white, and let's kind of just suddenly yeah. ditch everything and introduce a new character and, and do a whole episode about channel? them." BBC, BBC Two, Two and Netflix like afterwards. When Max Porter years ago wrote um, uh, "Grief is the Thing with Feathers," where mm. I know there's that book at the moment that's winning all the awards. It's just like one sentence. It just sounds annoying. Um, but you know, when he wrote something so form-breaking and weird and unexpected, and it made people reassess the novel and what it meant to read the story that way. This is, I mean, it's probably not quite that dramatic. I've had three glasses of Prosecco, but it's, uh, it's genuinely... It just <laughs> since we've been on air. Yeah, no, no, not really. I mean, well, um, no, but it's... And Socks just came in. Come on, we're all hot flushing. Yeah, we are um, all hot flushing. But it is form-breaking in a way that... Right, we, we watch TV all the time, me and mm. Michael, and mm. well, and no, we all do as a I don't hobby. think you guys really... It's so <laughs> weird. They can take or leave. <laughs> Although you, you say that, Kate, but what you're forgetting is that the vast majority of TV critics basically don't. hate the medium oh, of yeah. TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know so yeah. few that actually yep. do enjoy watching yeah. TV as yeah. well as it's their job. It's true. But it is, it's genuinely refreshing, isn't it? I think come awards time and stuff, we'll all end up on those panels oh, in the next couple of weeks. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It will get it's a lot just of attention beautifully done. it's I don't know who's great in it. It's, I don't know if you know. Did you watch Flowers on Channel Four? Oh, Will. Thingy. Will Sharp, who wrote and starred in Flowers, He's and also stars in Defending the Guilty, the kind of legal, mm-hmm. which is okay. which is yeah. drama. But let's get um, so he plays not, he though, plays a kind of gay Ren boy called Rodney. Who's kind of very, very flamboyant, and but kind of also got real Angry soul and, and bruised and, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And he's yeah, he's absolutely amazing in it. He's a real scene stealer. It is fabulous. Kelly Brook and uh, not Kelly Brook. Kelly, Kelly, McDon- Kelly McDonald. He's great when in it. Kelly Brook was in Train Spotting. Oh, <laughs> Slight difference. <laughs> Kelly McDonald um, announced yesterday is the star of the next series of Line of Duty. Is very exciting. Yeah. Oh, so I so shout that. She's no going to be the Jane. series antagonist. So <laughs> she's cool. a. I, she's do you know? I fear for the next series of Line of Duty. They really simply must move on from this particular organised crime they? ring. Yeah, I, yeah. I strongly want them to start afresh. It sounds a bit like they are, but, you know, I hope so. we won't know. I hope so. I became fatigued. It's sort of a bit artificial. It ends up, you know, yeah. the vinegar strokes. And also, <laughs> and yeah, the vinegar strokes are true. And, and I think it's okay to move away from that because the nature of what they do for a living is that they're always chasing it. It's never, you know, the moment they get rid of one crime ring, another one pops up. And mm. so I, I would like them to move away from, you know, the caddy is yeah, a thing. For sure. yeah. To be um, basic yeah. for a minute, though, the thing I'm most looking forward to, and again, turns out I'm having the menopause. It started today, like, you know, mozzled off to me. Sounds, um, do that to a woman. Dracula. Dracula, Mark Gatiss and really? Stephen Moffat. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. am excited Dracula. about it. The yeah. guy that plays Dracula, Sally, have you not seen a picture of him? Would I fancy he's him? I feel like that's tall. what you're he's getting got, at. He's got a brilliant name. Clice Bang. He's called Bang. He's called a- <laughs> Mr. Bang. Is playing Dracula. You would bang bang. Like First name Silic. Bang bang. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's so beautiful. And he also, um, yeah, the, the, you know, vampires. Everyone loves. It looks bang. really scary as well. The, the trailer for it. Oh, the teaser trailer for it just looks genuinely. Yeah. Moffat again, yeah. 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 It's, it's, so the Sherlock the, people. The team did Sherlock, but Mark Gatiss is a horror nerd. It is yeah. definitely going to be a bit less palatable than Sherlock, but I think it's going to be massive. So hopefully yeah. they'll only get one season, so they can't fucking ruin oh, it like everything crossed. else. Hey. <laughs> um, I, think you're right I, I just, 
I'm sorry, everyone. I didn't enjoy Sherlock. It was just a bit pleased with itself for me. Oh, it got very it, it pleased got with itself. It got pleased with itself because it like started reading social media and it was like, I oh, know Tumblr will fucking love but this. It's, and you know, it's a struggle to be sympathetic to them. It's yeah. difficult now, isn't it? Because Incredibly. the reaction comes thick and fast from the very first scene yeah. of the very first it's episode. It becomes really obvious that the kind of ego <laughs> is. Suggs is now making faces through the window. Yeah. He puts Tumblr on the window. Thirteen-year-old me. <laughs> 13-year-old me is just Did he just make a complete drinking gesture at me? Yeah. 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 Sucks, mate. <laughs> no, but uh, yes, yeah, so to get back to Dracula, um, it, will be, it will be all sexy and, and gory and, 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 and cool, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm not apologising for that. No, and I nor mean, should you. Fair play to you, mate. Also, uh, also the, one of the things I'm most excited about for sort of Christmas telly is... Derry Girls Bake Off crossover episode. <gasps> Very nice. Amazing. So Very it's nice. like the four Derry Girls, including the you know the gay English fellow who isn't gay, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Sister Michael the nun. Is Sister Michael doing it? Yeah. So I, I know mean, her. Sister Michael tent, is everything, isn't she? She's you would brilliant. vote for Sister She's Michael awesome. in an election. Mm. I've slept in bed with her. True story. Have you really? <laughs> yes, I have. Not to brag, but <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't dressed as a nun, but. I'll just leave the rest of your imagination. Were you dressed yeah. as a nun? Yes, and, I um, was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the girls from Dairy Girls are brilliant on Twitter as yeah, well. They're, they're so, all brilliant. They're, 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 proper, the they're really funny. And they're stuff. also they're, they're so great. They're brilliant. They're really good mates yeah. as well. They go out all the time and stuff, yeah. and they're, they're they like a proper little gang. So, yeah. so tell me about this crossover. Will they be referring to Bake Off in Dairy Girls? No, they can't do because no, it's no, in it's the 90s. Off, it's a, the New Year's Day Bake Off special is... A Derry Girl special. Okay, so, so they're competing against so one they're, another. They'll be, they'll be like the yeah the the, the four younguns and Sister Michael as the stern matriarch in Brilliant. in the wake off tent. With Should Paul you give and the, the Sister Michael handshake if it's really good? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's ever it's ever more difficult, isn't it, to put through um, a winning christmas tv schedule because now yeah. everyone's yeah. streaming and they binge i know that dan and i binge over christmas on like a box set yeah. at, like a documentary yeah. series yeah. or a crime thriller or something like yes, that the streaming services have been quite clever at scheduling those for around christmas as well you know? yeah. yeah 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 and last christmas the, i think the big phenomenon weirdly wasn't in any way a comedy or a drama it was the bros documentary it was the last oh, christmas that brought the nation together um, did it not i yeah. mean it was a joy yeah yeah, yeah it was it so was truly no, a joy no, I, I, a clever bit of yeah. a bit of commissioning and scheduling by the bbc put out a kind of you know making a murderery type thing at yeah. christmas to get everyone talking I think. Well, this year they're doing a Christmas Carol with Mike from Neighbours on BBC One, so I'm there for that because I know he's not Mike from Neighbours now, but he is not. He's he's Guy Pearce is Mike from Neighbours. They're doing that this year. I know, bless him. Also from LA Confidential, like a proper actor. Just a few nominations for bigger Hollywood. He's best. He was in Iron His best work was with Jane Mangle. Oh, completely, yeah. Plain Jane Superbrain. Super <laughs> <laughs> Who knew if she removed those glasses, she would be really pretty underneath everyone. blossom. It was beautiful. <laughs> if we've got time for one more TV thing, though, yeah, very please. importantly, Elizabeth is Missing. Don't even know what oh, channel it's on. What is that? BBC One. So oh, you, it's a, you've yes, read the book. I've read the book. Look at your face, you've yeah. read the book. Glenda so, Jackson. Um, Emma Healy's book. Mm-hmm. It's about a woman with dementia and her friend goes missing. Mm-hmm. Yes, Michael's right. Glenda Jackson, 25 years since she was last on TV. She's coming back to television. Wow. Our friend Andrea Gibb wrote the screenplay. She adapted the book. Love Andrea Gibb. Um, the, all the stuff she's been saying about it online. I'm so I'm excited. I'm so excited. The stills I've seen from it. Glenda Jackson looking like a rock face, like the mm. most incredible. Yes. I'm yes, so Glenda. excited about that. That's going to win every award ever because it's, she's um, an incredible writer. That's Glenda Jackson. Like, what more do you I think yeah, I'm right in saying it's on 
BBC One at right, nine okay. o'clock <laughs> in about know. two weeks' Isn't time. Right, Stato. <laughs> I think when War of the Worlds Which finishes, it's three-part run. Oh, it's replaced by this. Started. It has. It started, started on last Sunday night. Yeah. And everyone's slagging it off, and I think it's really, really good. Oh, well, everyone can fuck But Elizabeth is missing. It's just, a, it's just sure a one-off. It. It's a, it's a, a feature-length. It's, it's, yes. it's a feature drama. drama. And this has been a long Can't time in the wait. making. Of course, yeah. Andrea Gibb has been to hell and back doing the making of it. And so, yeah. uh, not that Andrea Gibb needs any sympathy whatsoever, because she's a brilliant writer, oh, regardless so of when this happened. But yeah. I think we'd, we'd all like her to have have her moment Absolutely. I think this is going to be Absolutely. excellent she's I can't wait really to see to. it yeah it's going to be awesome Garen and Stacey is there the exciting thing over oh, Christmas yeah, I don't know if anyone else is excited about now, that now there yeah. are rumours that they are ready to return not just for a special but to but oh, to revisit okay. what do we think about that what, well, that, so are there two James Cordons I was like, going to say does everyone hate him now because well, he's I mean, famous in America I mean America. yes people hate him but I don't understand how he's always in America doing his chat show and here doing that weird thing on Sky about sport and then making gaps like I don't I don't understand how he's in so many places Right, that's it, isn't it? That's it. I guess he just seems to be a bit like astride the Atlantic permanently. Like, how does he do that? He's got one foot in America and one foot here and the whole world in between. It's like the prestige. They're twins. Um, (laughs) There's two of them. Buzz buzz on (laughs) the Garen and Stacey Christmas special is very good. Um, It's a proper... Yes, the buzz was all excellent, wasn't it? Return to form and blah, 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 as good as it ever was. Whether they sustain that for a series, I don't know. I don't want them to. I think think a a comeback Christmas special like the kind of Royal Family or whatever used to do is quite an exciting thing. Because the Royal Family Christmas specials were very hit and miss, it has to be said. They were. There were some that were not great. I think think when they left the house was not good. So when when they went to Dave's and Denise's house or to the caravan, you know, when they left the house, that was not... The, the DNA of the it show. It misunderstands what people no, want. Queen of Sheba, yeah. amazing. Queen of Sheba, a masterpiece. Um, yeah. You know, and Denise having her baby by the toilet oh and start talking to I can't, her dad. I can't. One, one of the <laughs> finest scenes in comedy history, yeah. I think, when yeah. she's she's having the baby in the toilet and, and Jim is sitting outside singing to her and talking to her about That's when she's so a baby. Beautiful. It's beautiful. We've also got, sorry, one got, more thing. No, please, yes, the you have Agatha time. The Agatha Christie <gasps> adaptation. <gasps> Sarah, so, Sarah, Sarah Phelps again. Who is her Agatha Christie adaptation has become a sort of annual tradition now. I love that she's three now. Three or four Christmas. She's days. more common wise, and I freaking love her. So on Boxing Day, it's, <laughs> a, pale, it's a pale horse. The pale horse this year, which stars Rufus Sewell. That's right. Um, as a man who posh Rufus Sewell. It does. His name does is found do? in He's... a dead woman's shoe. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe is the plot. <laughs> a mysterious list is found in the shoe of a dead woman, and but his she, I name is on it. I love what she does with Christy. I know Christy was kind Same. of subversive anyway, but. The, was it the one last year where she had like a guy being walked up and down? His back was walked up and down by a prostitute with, yes, sharp with shoes red shoes on yeah. the wounds that she'd inflicted. The like, like that. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. put that on primetime BBC One. They yeah. went, you know what, Sarah Phelps? You well, Boxing you know, last year, well, last year, last year's was essentially about Brexit, wasn't it? Yes. You know, the, the, there were racial tensions all the way nuts. through. I think what's just before we go, I think we should probably pay tribute to Sarah Phelps because I think it's extraordinary how Sarah Phelps, in what three years, has managed to become part yeah. of. Christmas. That's mm. no just mean with the feat. force of her writing. Like she's not just by being brilliant. And Dublin, at what Dublin she does. Murders has only just finished, and now she's got another. I have to say, the Dublin Murders. Although I, I absolutely no, no, no. The failing is mine, not Sarah Phelps. Okay. Although I love Sarah Phelps, and I think she's a genius, and I love her Christie stuff. I didn't really understand after a while what was going on in Dublin Murders. I oh, became well, confused, fine. but that's me. Um, <laughs> but but it was still brilliant. Also, I thought the guy, the lead, was not. 
was Killian a bit miscast. I thought he was a bit oh, miscast. No, but anyway, yeah. but that's just Killian me. Scott. Never mind. Sorry, not Murphy. Do we have a that Doctor Who Christmas name? special <laughs> this year? Do what? Do we? Isn't what? Doctor Who coming back? Do we get a Christmas special a, this year? I think year? we get a New Year special rather than a Christmas. There's something okay. about the tax year and them having to knock. Do you know it over what? Into, fuck's sake. Yeah, listen, listen. Um, we have to go. We're going to play out with the record, but I'm slightly now insisting on air before you come back out that we do a Christmas TV special next month. Oh, that's In a good idea. idea. Suggs? Uh, could Suggs come back? We'll arrange for Suggs to walk past. <laughs> Super. Uh, so yeah. next time you hear us, we'll be in four weeks' time. I'm going to try and make TV critics and broadcasters, Michael Hogan and Julia Rayside, join me and Kate Sevilla next month Slide. to continue the conversation. I'm shaming them on air so they can't back out. Um, I'm going to turn off Michael Hogan's alarm to pick up his kids and, um, <laughs> and we'll be here and I may bring mulled wine. In the meantime, yes. I'm going to play out um, from Michael Hogan's playlist in the best way possible with Roachford and Cuddly Toy. Your fog lamps are on. <laughs>